Getting a good night's sleep can, can be much easier said than done. But don't worry, because our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to help you unwind and sleep harder than all shareholders slept on Bam Out of Bio, but also Colin Sexton. Sleep PM Basalt to use superior CBD and melatonin with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience and give you the relaxation you desperately deserve. And to make it even easier to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all our listeners 25% off on your next order when you use the promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com promo code MBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD.com. Hey, Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cavs. Coming up on today's show, it's myself and Jake Madison from Lockdown Pelicans and Lockdown NBA looking ahead to Friday's game, talking about David Griffin's tenure as Pelicans head honcho and uh, talking a little bit about Larry Nance, who the Pelicans are reportedly interested in. But again, guys, the official position of Lockdown Cavs is don't trade Larry Nance. Just want to repeat that for the record. March 9th, I'm recording this, 8.16 p.m. Evan and I's official position is that the Cleveland Cavaliers should not trade Larry Nance Jr. All right, here's today's show. Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Osmond steps into a long-distance jumper. Allen to the bucket. He crushes it home. Off the Garland for three. He knocks it down. Drummond toward Valanciunas. Finds a cutter in a Coro, and a Coro thunders it home. By Kyrie. Sexton got it back. Nance for the tie. He knocks it down. Long hands it off the Sexton feed. Cavaliers by seven. And uh, Cleveland, this is for you. Joining me now is the great Jake Madison, host of Locked on Pelicans, who are the Cavs' first opponent post-All-Star break, and he also is one of the hosts of Locked on NBA, does it every week with John Corrales. Jake, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Kind of getting excited to come back from the All-Star break and see some like second-half basketball, whatever that's going to look like. Yeah, it's 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 quick. It's like a multi-day break instead of like a, a long, you know, extended break. It's kind of weird. Um, I'm, you know, I don't know if you saw the Brian Windhorst thing where he said like 150 players were all in Miami. I'm just like, great. Like, I'm just waiting no, for I like not the, the shoe drop on the other side of this. Look, I, overall, I think the NBA has done a good job when it comes to kind of like managing everything, right? Like even with the yeah, Embiid and Simmons thing, like the, the argument for me for not having like the all-star game was not what if someone gets COVID there and then infects all the other players? Because at least they do a good job of minimizing that. It was all the ancillary stuff. Mm. So like, uh, I don't know. It's tough, right? Like you, you can't stop people from being people at the same point. Uh, but like, shit, yeah, that does worry me. <laughs> I guess dudes in Miami partying yeah. and 100 players there. It's like, yeah, that's a concern. I, I, like, I don't have anything other than, like, yeah, I'm worried. Yeah. Uh, have the Pelicans had any COVID issues? The Cavs have not. Um, not really. Uh, not in terms of that would, like, impact anyone big. They may or may not have had some, like, prior to the bubble, but nothing this season. The one game that was postponed was more due to contact tracing with the opponent than it was the actual team. So, overall, like, things have been 
you know, as good as you can make them in a time like this, I think. Yeah, it's it's all ongoing. It's all chaotic. We're we're close. We're get, we're getting close to like this to this sort of maybe being more normal. I'm just waiting. I'm 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 anxiously waiting. Uh, but we're gonna talk. Let's talk about Zion first. Let's start, let's start there because he's. I cannot wait to like ha- watch him fully in a game on Friday. Like I I cannot wait for this because he's incredible. And every time he does stuff, he's incredible. Just has he lived? I mean, ha- has he lived up to the hype? in your mind like i mean that seems like a very dumb question because it's probably yes but like how good has zion really been right i i get what you, no i get what you're saying right like this dude came in with the most hype into the league since lebron james right like the most hype prospect coming into the nba since lebron i think pretty safe to say like yeah. anthony davis might have been the best player since lebron james but the most hyped guy coming in was probably zion because Look, I don't watch any college basketball until the tournament, until it's time to like start scouting NBA guys because it's so bad by comparison to NBA basketball. I was tuning into Zion games because that dude's really fun to watch. Like he was a monster in college. So coming in, like he had a pretty lofty level to try and live up to. And the rookie year, you know, missing more than half the season, he was really disappointed in the bubble because maybe or maybe not he had COVID before that. We're not really sure. You know, it, it kind of put some of the a damper on it, I think a little bit and had people openly wondering if he was going to live up to the hype or is he not going to be good, blah, 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 blah. And then fast forward to this season, And when they kind of figured him out as point Zion and what he's been able to do over the past 15 games or so is awe-inspiring. You know, we have to read those Michelob ads of, you know, what player gives you joy and all of that. And it's like a little weird to say and talk about. But when I really think about it, just watching this dude play is so enjoyable and so much fun with some of the things he's doing, whether it's the scoring at the rim and having games where he goes 16 of 18 and basically they're all in the restricted area and all at the rim and no one is able to stop him whatsoever. It's, it's pretty fun to watch. You know, I, he's missing a lot of those big highlight plays he had in Duke, the dunks, the blocks, the things that get people really hyped. But when you watch his footwork around the rim, the way he's able to score around three or four guys at times, or in a game against the Utah Jazz right before the break where Rudy Gobert goes right at him and Rudy Gobert bounces off of him and flies back six feet, no one's able to do that to Gobert. Those are highlight level type of things, at least to me. And I think sometimes it doesn't translate to like the unnatural highlight that a dunk is going to have. But he's been right now as advertised, at least offensively, if not better than that, with some of the efficiency that he's putting up. And now the passing kind of being a point forward in a sense. I I just don't know how you defend him. And this is the thing that I like really am fascinated about on Friday is how the Cavs approach this, because like. Their best option to me, if everyone is healthy, would be just try Larry Nance on him. And Larry Nance is probably going to bounce off of him. Like, that's probably going to happen because Zion is is built like he should be playing, like, defensive end for the Saints. You know? Like, he's huge. Um, yeah. He's like an edge rusher, yeah. right? Like, that linebacker who also rushes the quarterback. Like, that's his makeup. Yeah, it, it's I think. like, I don't know if you've seen the videos of, like, Miles Garrett playing basketball. I would look them up if you haven't because he's like actually he's yeah, he, I can he's, see a, that. he's a bucket he's a real bucket actually but it's like that's what Zion would be like if he was well he would just be like this like freak athlete who just can do whatever he wants. Um I don't know how you defend that guy. And like if I'm the Cavs, okay, like my and you don't. Right, you just like pray a little bit. Um like my first option would be Nance and he's hurt and I don't think he's going to be back Friday. Um it doesn't he's itchy. I think he's close but I don't think he's back. You don't have Drummond who to playing who's a big body. Um, like you, like Isaac Okoro has been given every assignment under the under the 
the, in the league this year, but like you're not going to have him defend Zion. That's just asking for like a murder to happen. Like, so do you just put Jared Allen on him? Like, I, what have what have other teams done? Like, what what do teams do to try and defend Zion? Like, what is the strategy? I mean. I mean, so look, like no one's really figured it out so far this season, right? Like if, if Rudy Gobert can't do anything, I, I don't know if a whole lot of guys are going to be able to do a whole lot. And when you look at some of like the games he's had recently, like going into the All-Star break, he was 10 of 17 against Chicago, 10 of 17 against Utah, 8 of 15, which was the worst game he had against the Spurs, 15 of 26 against the Pistons. He was 13 of 18. Think about that one for a second, right? Like when you see those numbers, whatever, what anyone's throwing at him, when, like when you're routinely scoring 60 plus percent from the field or like high fifties, no one has an answer for you. You can throw three guys at him. The problem is he's really adept at dancing around. And that kind of goes to the footwork that I talked about. His hop steps really good. He's so unbelievably strong that you can't like slap the ball out of him, out of his hands down low it's 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 a problem like it's a real big problem and there's a reason teams throw three four guys at him at times and are willing to live with anyone else beating them right you'd much rather have Lonzo Ball shooting threes you might rather have Brandon Ingram trying to shoot a mid-ranger that he's shooting above 50 percent on because at least it's not Zion scoring at 70 percent against the rim or what have you you know it's playing the percentages so I think a lot of it's that honestly the real way to do it is foul him foul him so much and send him to the free throw line where it's not as effective and as efficient as him scoring at the rim. And you know what? He gets found so often. Refs don't want to call that every single time he gets the ball or like every other time he gets the ball, you know, at the obscene percentage that it would be. So they don't. And so if you hack him enough, that's kind of the way it's going to work until refs start to give him those star calls that, you know, he probably should get, but maybe isn't due just yet. And honestly, like that's the way make him beat you at the free throw line or hope that you just hack him enough that he turns the ball over and gets kind of frustrated. Yeah. I, I cannot wait to see what the Cavs try to do here um, to defend him. Like <laughs> I, I just don't expect it to work. Um, it, it just, I just don't, there's not a good answer. And it's like, you know, like, like Brandon Ingram is also really good. Like, and it's like, yeah, it's nuts that like Brandon Ingram has hit this level where he's really good. And it's like, okay, we're just going to like let him take shots because Zion is automatic. It's, it's outrageous. It's, it's a, it's a way, it's such an easy way to successful offense. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. I can't wait to see how they continue to like build this out, which we're going to talk about David Griffin, ex Cavs GM later in the show. But like, I just can't wait to see how they build this out because it's going to be fascinating. No, it's, it's been a lot of fun, especially since they figured out he can pass, right? Like, that started to become a very real thing. He's got 11 games this season where he has five or more assists. Like, that's pretty incredible for a big man like that who's supposed to score around the rim. Like, he's got a lot of different passes in his repertoire and makes the right read. And because, you know, we talk about court gravity a lot, right? Like, particularly when it comes to three-point shooters. Do they have gravity on the perimeter to suck a defender out? This dude's gravity is off the charts everywhere he is on the court. And that's why you're seeing him get the ball to start possessions and to run the offense totally through him, where it's JJ Reddick setting a screen for him and then popping out in a pick and pop with Zion as the ball handler, which is, you know, a base level kind of mind blowing to think about, but it's working. And so it's, it's kind of a really fun time to watch this player really develop into uh, more than just score at the rate, like a multifaceted player, I guess. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to talk a little bit about David Griffin, ex-Cavs GM, still a franchise icon right after this. 
This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets come at all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. It is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in lines at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. BlueChew's Sindenafil and Tadelafil tablets are chewable. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could b- benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Also want to tell you about the Locked On Today podcast. We're covering everything you need to know about the Cleveland Cavaliers, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, Chris Manning here with Jake Madison from Locked On Pelicans and Locked On NBA. All right, so you have David Griffin. I, I I wanted to talk to you about this specifically because you you're you co- you're covering him. You're seeing how he's building around Zion. Like I I can still picture him in my brain, celebrate like that the lottery, like that that image of Griff just like seemingly just embracing this like religious like, religious like kismet universal moment is just like seared into my brain because it's a very David Griffin thing to do. Tell me if this is wrong. <laughs> But he has the the power, so to speak, the the latter the the ability to do what he sort of wants in a way that he it's why he left Cleveland. He wanted full on authority. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Cleveland, like him and Dan, you know that that's why he goes. That's why Kobe Altman's in charge now. How has he done? Like, how has he done with that level of control building New Orleans so far? So. Before we get to on the court stuff, like you have to factor in the off the court stuff because that's a really big part of it, right? Like, as you said, that's why he left. He wanted a complete aspect of this from how the building looks to who he wanted to hire in every aspect with it. And basically, he wanted to some degree a blank check to be able to go and do some of the things that he wanted to do. And he, he spoke about this openly too. Like, I also think there's some degree of being free from LeBron James. Mm. And and this isn't a knock on LeBron. Like some people have kind of turned it into when you get LeBron coming back to Cleveland after he had kind of taken that job, it changed the way that he was going to go about building a team, right? He wanted to go through maybe a bit of a more organic process, slow rebuild process, and he didn't get to do that. And that's a good problem to have because it meant LeBron was coming back. But I think he wanted something like that here in New Orleans. So he wanted to go about it his way, the way he's envisioned from when he was like almost like a young kid thinking this is what he wanted to do. And so he does have that ability now. You know, they paid a lot to bring him in and they've let him spend basically as much money as he's wanted where they they tore down, they have their practice facility and like the gym and all of that. It went through a complete renovation. The thing was like five years old and they spent about $10 million renovating it all to kind of make it 
probably more modern than it was yeah. and needed to be, but like to his standards, like that's the level of control that he has over this kind of organization. So he's done that revamp the training staff, bringing in Aaron Nelson from Phoenix after much publicized issues with the new Orleans medical staff and training staff. So he's really put his fingerprint over all of this right off the bat. They moved out. They kept a lot of the people under Dell Demps in the front office for about a year, I think kind of as a bit of a transition and then really moved on from a lot of those people this past year. So the front office has more or less been completely remade and he made some not out of the box hires, but kind of different hires, right? Bringing in someone like Swin Cash to fulfill kind of a hybrid role between front office and then also working with the players. You know, they hired a lot more women to be on the coaching staff and he's got a fingerprint on the coaching staff too. And Stan Van Gundy kind of acknowledged that, that like he needs to listen to David Griffin when it comes to some in-game coaching decisions. So truly David Griffin is the like Lord over everything. I think to some degree here, I think from that aspect, he's done a really good job. He's modernized the franchise. They've invested more in analytics. They've really revamped the medical staff, uh, invested in more technology and equipment that they needed. All that's been great. So on that side of things, I think he's done a really good job. The on-court stuff is TBD. You know, it was a no-brainer with Zion. You or I could have been the person in charge right. making that decision. We would have taken Zion number one. I don't know if you want to give him like a ton of credit for that, right? Um, but he did orchestrate really good trades of sending out Anthony Davis and getting the probably the maximum return you could have gotten for him, given that kind of bidders were scared away by him not wanting to re-sign with them and really only wanting to go to Los Angeles. To get the deal you got out of the Lakers, all of the picks, all the young players, pretty good. Same thing for Drew Holiday. I don't think there was a huge market out there for him, but he took advantage of a pretty desperate Bucks team to leverage that into more or less three first-round picks plus Eric Bledsoe. I think that's a pretty good return for a guy like Drew Holiday, too. So that's all done well, but that's all asset accumulation, right? That's not translating into play on the court. And that's where it's TBD. The other draft picks from the class of Zion's year in Nikhil Alexander Walker and Jackson Hayes jury's still out on them. I see flashes from them at times, but I'm not really sold that they could be great NBA players or even anything better than a rotation guy at best. The trade for Steven Adams in the drew holiday deal as well, you know, and then giving it Adams a two year extension on top of that after this season, do you really want to be paying a guy like Steven Adams close to 20 million a year? Uh, yeah, it, right. It, like it, I, I don't quite yeah. know about that, and it, it's a, it's an opportunity cost thing. Would that have been better to maybe absorb Al Horford's contract like the Thunder did instead of giving that money to Stephen Adams and getting first round picks for it? So he's done a great job of the asset accumulation that you want at the start of a rebuild that you're going to get from trading away two big name players. What those turn into is really what's going to define his tenure. He's got Zion. He locked Brandon Ingram up. So you've got a pretty blank slate to be able to build off of that. But so far, the two draft picks, other draft picks he's had, not the best so far. And we'll wait to see about Kyra Lewis Jr., who they just took in the most recent draft too. So I think jury's still out on that. Some of the returns are good. Some of the returns, not so good. So it's been a bit of a mixed bag. I think it it's so fascinating to think about how you build around a guy like Zion because I don't know what the, the template is, right? Like, I don't know what the template for building around... Oh, it's not easy. <laughs> well, and it's like, okay, like, I, I sort of, even like, I don't know if I would have paid Steven Adams that contract, I sort of get being like, okay, Zion's still really young. He's coming off injuries. Yes. Like, let me just get this guy who likes to box people out and set screens and, and play the five. Like, let me just get that guy for this window and then we'll figure it out later. Um, 
I get that. I think, you know, for, I don't know how, like, you feel about Van Gundy, but it, and how, what kind of job he's done. I don't have, like, a, a as clean of a read on that as, as I'd like. But I feel like he, like, I get why you go with a, a coach like Stan, because he's going to get you to do certain things right. He's going to, like, he's probably, he's going to be better when he's not also, like, running the front office, like, like he's not going to be, it's not going to be like oh Detroit. God, thank God. He doesn't have a hand in that whatsoever. <laughs> Josh Smith is actually going to come back and, and play small ball five next to Zion. That's, that's the move. Um, forgot Josh Smith existed until I saw him like judging the dunk contest. And I did like the DiCaprio pointing thing. Um, it was great. Good. I think he was on the Pelicans for like eight games a couple of years ago and didn't end up playing. It was like, Oh yeah, you're still a person. <laughs> like uh, every now and then you have those moments of like guys, right. Yeah. And it's like, Oh yeah, he was a dude in the NBA. Yeah. You just, sometimes you're just like, Oh yes, Mike Josh Smith existed. It's good times. But like, I, I, and I think Ingram, obviously like you lock him in, like he's really good. Like he's good. And you know, you figure like it, you have if, to. if the fit isn't as clean as you would like, like that's like, I don't think there's any superstar pairing. That's exactly like exactly clean either. It's so tricky to like, find two guys that are like perfect like it just doesn't exist it doesn't exist it's it's a similar problem new orleans had next to anthony davis right like what what other big man do you pair you know when you have these guys that are so unique and can do so many different things and like no one else can replicate their skill set to some degree how the hell do you find someone to pair alongside them new orleans kind of found it into marcus cousins but it also took another big who was pretty unique there too and unfortunately injury kind of wiped it out with zion it's do, do you put a stretch big next to him or do you put more of a defensive minded center you know th the other thing is when you look at trying to build a roster on zion uh, does it does it even matter like do, does it matter you know the idea would be you put a ton of shooters around him right put put four out around him and let him just kind of do his thing and give him as much space as possible. But when you have a guy like Zion who scores so effectively at the rim, and I've done the numbers on the, uh, on this, you know, you need a three point shooter to shoot 53% for their career, basically to equate to what Zion does at the rim. Those guys don't exist. No. You know, if you, if, if, if Zion gets the ball and you're, you're, you're the opposing coach, your game plan should be defend him at all costs because no one else could score as efficiently as he does. And has like an E field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, like he does, you're not going to defend anyone else out there. So does, does, does it matter? <laughs> you know, like you're going to defend Zion. It's that's what makes this so hard. So does it matter if there's not a, a, a spacing big man next to him or not, you know? He's on the Cavs now, and the Cavs are going to lock him up. But, like, I think Jared Allen would have made a lot of sense. I, I like A springy big like that, and I like think, a, a would, guy, you know, someone who doesn't need the and ball. And can pass a little bit and can, like, do stuff. Like, like yep. someone asked me if, like, the Pelicans would be, like, a Drummond team. And I was like, absolutely not. That's a horrible idea. Like, don't do that. No. Um, it, people can't see this, but Jake was like, like just recoil. As, as he knows no. that everyone in our like, locked on NBA DM has Evan got Evan got kicked out of it because he was sending so many Andre Drummond gifts. It was incredible. <laughs> um, but like Allen is a guy who could like pop a little bit, like is is getting a little comfortable yeah. as a passer, as, as a as a dribble handoff guy. Like if you're gonna try to like support Zion defensively, like that that to me would make some sense. Um, but like is because it's like how many and also like how many like true stretch fives are there? You know what I mean? Like how many of those guys that are like no, actually that good, also they defend, don't exist, right? Like it, they don't exist. Give me one really, really good defensive anchor that is an adequate enough three point shooter that is also like six foot ten or taller. Like they, those don't those you know, don't exist. Like, like you get AD that is not a Anthony thing Mobley that you can find. Yeah, like those are the guys you get. It's right. <laughs> yeah, it, 
AD's not coming back to New Orleans, I think it's safe to say here. So like when you, the, the other thing is Brandon Ingram in this equation too, like he's run into some problems this year. His numbers are exactly the same as when he was an all-star last year, but he's getting to the rim about half as much. That's not a good thing. And his mid-rangers have kind of skyrocketed. He's good enough at shooting that he can hit those mid-rangers that he can maintain the same numbers, but it's not nearly an efficient, the same type of efficient shot chart. And he's run into trouble because when Steven Adams is out there on the court and Zion is out there on the court, well, teams are sagging off of Zion because of what that dude does to the rim. And also, you know, Steven Adams, you're just going to stick on him and kind of be down low because he's not a spacing threat. So it's less about screwing with Zion and hurting Zion because, again, he can score around three, four guys at the rim if he needs to. What's it do to the ancillary players, particularly Brandon Ingram, who's run into some trouble? And that's where when you look at this team and say, oh, maybe there's some spacing issues. It's not spacing issues for Zion. It's spacing issues for Brandon Ingram that's kind of brought on by Zion because Zion's so good around the rim, not because he's not a good enough shooter. And that's where things get that's where like building this roster gets really freaking tricky. Yeah. Do you the last thing on, on Griff? Do you think he has a long runway? to figure this out like he has all the picks like a lot of young guys still yeah. up in the air do you think he has a long runway to kind of figure this out yeah i don't i don't think they're gonna run him. look look how long del demps lasted yeah. here right like he, he was here for eight years like you think griff if he wants to keep this job as long as he wants is probably safe and he he's openly talked about it right like small market teams kind of play by different rules than the lakers than even the knicks the miami heat teams in those big cities mm-hmm. do You have to kind of maximize every dollar, take every little advantage you have, right? And he's kind of spoken about this and he's spoken about building a sustainable long-term winner. This goes back to his time in Cleveland with LeBron coming back. That wasn't going to be a sustainable team. It was, you got to win in in two, three years because you have LeBron before he bolts again, four years, I guess. He wants to build something that lasts beyond that. And I think that was the vision he probably pitched to ownership well, when he was going through well, that. In Cleveland, he also didn't think, like, they didn't think they were getting LeBron back. I think they sort of, like, they were trying to sign, like, Gordon Hayward in free agency. Yeah. Like, th- th- this was just, it just sort of falls in your lap. And it's and it's different when, like, you can draft Zion yeah, no, versus, no, exactly. like, it, yeah, it's, it, it's very different, yeah. Once once LeBron came back, he said, you know, he said, like, I I cried that night because it kind of wrecked all of the plans that he had because it wasn't expected. He didn't. That's not what he signed on for. Um, I would hope those would be tears of joy. But like, you know, when you build up to getting this job where you're running a team, you probably have a vision and a plan for how it wants to go. And LeBron coming back kind of derailed that. I think to some degree it, it, it upset him to the point that he wanted to do this his way. And now because LeBron's coming, you can't, he still figured it out. And I think he did an amazing, obviously did an amazing job around that, but it kind of just wrecked the vision he had and he wasn't able to do it in the way that he wanted. And now he's here in new Orleans and that's the vision he would have pitched to ownership. And I think that's going to give him a really long leeway along with having picks that go through like 2027. Yeah, that helps. All right. One more break here. We'll be back. Let's, we're going to talk about the, everyone's least favorite topic on this podcast. Uh, teams that are interested in Larry Dance right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup in the Built Bar Madness bracket well, there's two of them it's German chocolate versus salted caramel and mocha love versus white chocolate birthday cake. Gotta tell you, I'm a salted caramel guy. I am. German chocolate's good. You know, the white chocolate ones were, were fun. Salted caramel is just like right up my alley. It's it's 
sweet. It's a little salty. It's it's everything you kind of want. It's not too much. It's not too heavy. It, it's just everything you want in a protein bar, I think. Um, and it's probably going to, if it wins, it has to go up against what I think is number one seed in the next round, Cookie Dough Chunk. So uh, give, it a, give it a chance to win this one. Vote for Salted Caramel. That's a Lockdown Cavs endorsement right there. Go to BuiltBar.com or to BuiltBar underscore bar on Twitter. And remember, when you order Built Bars, use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That is LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine are available from BetOnline. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And again, use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. I also want to tell you about Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. March Madness is only a few weeks away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on this year's draft with analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has released his Big Board 2.0 with profiles of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. He also has a really good episode about doing a little mock draft, and uh, he explains why if the Cavs were in position to take Evan Mobley and Kate Cunningham was off the board, he thinks Evan Mobley would be a really, really good fit in Cleveland. So check that out now. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Jake, let's finish on this. Do you think the Pelicans actually are intrigued by Larry Nance? Do you like the idea of Larry Nance, Pelican? What do you What do you think? Yeah, so I do. I don't know if they're going to actively be trying to move from him, but the fact that he's on their radar is no real surprise. I mean, it kind of goes back to what we just talked in the last segment, right? What kind of big man front court teammate do you really try and defend it at an above average rate and shoot threes at an above average rate? And maybe if you can get give you some positional versatility. You know, Larry Nance Jr. fits that bill, I think, to some degree, right? Like, he can defend pretty good, above average, maybe even considered really good at times. He's had stretches where he's looked like a defensive player of the year, particularly to start this year, I thought. Mm -hmm. And he shoots the three well enough. That's, I don't know, kind of what we're looking for here in New Orleans. How much they're willing to move for him and give up for him, I don't know. But maybe you could convince them to trade one of those Lakers or Bucks picks, even if it's somehow protected in some capacity, but it's a late first round pick for a guy that when healthy can really make a positive impact and give you a lot of, I think what you're looking for. I think the salary matching, like just the fact that I don't think Nance is getting traded, nor do I think the Cavs want to trade him. I, I think the salary, Josh Hart, the salary is so good. Yeah, he's on a bargain on a bargain contract. He is really good. The contract declines. Like it's really good. Um Josh Hart would probably be the biggest fan of this trade yeah. because they could just be boys again but and talk about Chelsea. But <laughs> I, I like it, here are the salaries in the range that he's making. Zion, do not trading Zion. Lonzo Ball, JJ Redick, yep. Eric Bledsoe is at, is at 16.8. Like those are the the salaries in that range. Like I I think you'd have mm-hmm. to like 
really sweeten the deal to get the like to an extent that I'd I'd be uncomfortable with it if you're trying to like dump Bledsoe for Nance, you know? So that would be like my initial reaction was like Bledsoe and a pick for Nance is like that's something you'd be interested in. You know, but knowing it's gonna be a Lakers or Bucks pick that's gonna be in the what twenty six or yeah. or later range doesn't it, if i'm cleveland that that doesn't do it for me i don't know how, like i don't i don't know if that's enough no and like i think you need to like give like multiple picks at that point and then at that point it's like is it worth it like is it worth it at that point that's that's where i like I, with all these things it's like i wonder right, if is it's he like really enough of a difference maker and yeah no that that's kind of the that's kind of the problem you know i think the team would be open to moving lonzo ball in some capacity for the right trade the other thing is are this is something i talk about anyone i just went on locked on kings to talk about a trade with lonzo ball they're like yeah fans are really interested in him everyone loves the idea of lonzo ball till you realize that you would have to probably pay him 20 million a year after this season yeah i'm not into that like then uh yeah exactly you love the idea of lonzo ball till you have to pay him and then (laughs) that's coming up in like 36 games yeah that's how I feel about Laurie Markkinen too. Can I pitch you one other name that I think New Orleans might make sense for them as like a wing as a wing type that's on a cheap contract that maybe you could do like this kind of structure for, depending on how the Cavs feel about Bledsoe. Okay, so there's two names actually. Jetty Osman making eight point eight, okay. contract declining, last year not guaranteed. It's four years overall, not but not like a ton of money. Torian Prince, twelve point two this year, about the same next year. So it's fun. I have like basketball reference up so you can always like see the guys you've clicked on because their names like turn purple instead of blue. I have <laughs> I have clicked on Osman's name before, so I've probably kicked this around in my mind at some point. Um, yeah, I can, I can see that enough. I'm not going to give up a first round pick for oh, any I of those guys. Either. So if you want to take on Eric Bledsoe and maybe a second round pick, then yeah. Um, but that's kind of where it becomes like the problem, right? That's where it's tough to kind of find deals. One wonder if this trade deadline is going to be a little bit quieter uh, than maybe we were uh, assuming it would be because of all of this. It's kind of tough to find deals that work, right? Like I like the idea of them in theory in a vacuum. And then it's like, do I want to give up some of these assets? And not really, because I think more than anything, the Pelicans are going to look to make a splash for Bradley Beal kind of guy mm. in the future where, okay, you need five first round picks. We got, we got those, you know, maybe we need to move those and you want to kind of save those for a deal that, kind of swings for the fences versus nice complimentary players, but are they going to do, you know, is, is Torian Prince going to unlock Zion Williamson? But probably not. Yeah, exactly. So if that's not, uh, when you kind of think in that vein, I'm, I'm less excited about those kind of deals and I'd be willing to stand pat and not just burn some of the, the war chest of assets that they have. Yeah, I agree. I think Jetty would be like interesting as like a flyer for them, but it's also like, I don't know if, I don't know if you'd want like that long of a contract if you're like trying to keep a little bit of flexibility going forward. Like it, you know, even though it like lines up with like the Adams contract, it's like it, it, you could like mm-hmm. hit an eject button. And Gr- Griff kn- Griff knows him. Like he he wasn't the guy that was going to Turkey and like consulting with Jetty, but like he knows Jetty. And I and I wonder if like he how he feels about that. And it's one of those things where it's like he talks about him positively when he's in your organization, but like what did he really deep down feel about about what Jetty could be? Yeah. Do you think? Uh, yeah, look, the Pel- the Pelicans are in a weird spot. Like, no good. It's because of because of Zion. Like, if it's not maximizing Zion, and you're not, you know, those guys aren't going to bump you up a seed in the playoffs. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's true. Um, any final thoughts here? Any thoughts on the game Friday? Like, what are the Pelicans as a team? Like, any just thing you people should know about this game Friday or about New Orleans right now in general? 
I mean, look, we don't play defense, so it's going to probably be an offensive like showcase in this one. And I think a lot of points are going to be scored. If you're looking to bet, maybe, maybe on betonline.ag, uh, Pelicans overs have been a very safe bet, or like t- their, their game overs have been a very safe bet because of the lack of defense uh, being played. But I'm excited to really watch Sexton play in this one. I've been really impressed with him, especially to start the year, and he's looked really, really good. And I'm starting to really buy in that he's going to be a stud going forward. So I'm really excited to watch him play. And at one point, I think I had him in my all-star roster. That's changed a little bit now as the season kind of went on, but he's been a bit of a revelation, I think. And I've been very impressed with his level of play. He's good. He's uh, I, I want to see him get defended by, by Bledsoe and Lonzo for long stretches. That will like really like, that'll like pique my interest in terms of this game, just seeing how he handles bigger, de- bigger defenders. <laughs> Like, they're bigger. Like, I don't think... So, Lonzo's been hit or miss. Yeah, like, Lonzo's defense has been hit or miss this year. He'll have games where it's like, oh, yeah, that dude's really good on that side of the ball. And then games where he doesn't do anything. And then Eric Bledsoe has been as big of a disappointment this year as you could ever think of any player being. And has been so bad defensively, despite, you know, making the second team all defense last year that's been kind of disappointing. So... I, I don't put too much stock in if he burns those guys, but like still enjoy it and be happy is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I'm here for this. This game's going to be fun. Glad basketball's back. Hopefully there's fingers crossed that we get no no interruptions, COVID things coming out of the break for, for either of the teams or any of the teams in the league, frankly. But Jake, just give everyone a plug about where they can find you and, and the work you're doing on Locked on Pelicans and Locked on NBA. Yeah, of course. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. Always happy to talk some hoops there. Anything Zion related. It's been a lot of fun. And of course, Locked On Pelicans, wherever you get your podcast, really could rename that to Locked On Zion, and it would still be just as accurate. And on Wednesdays, I co-host the Locked On NBA podcast with John Cross from uh, Locked On Celtics, where try to have some fun on there. We kind of like the old cranky dudes of our locked on NBA group. So it always kind of ends up being kind of funny. Some of the subjects we hit on. So yeah, it's fun to talk basketball right now. That's for sure. Yeah, check that out. Uh, and we'll be back tomorrow. I don't know what Evan and I are going to talk about, uh, but we will, we will find something. So check that out. We'll be back tomorrow with more locked on Cavs. Locked on Cavs is your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, covering the latest news, rumors, and game action from the wine and gold. You can follow us on social at Locked On Cavs or give us a call and leave a voicemail and we'll answer your questions live at 440-673-3605. If you want to contact the show, email us at LockedOnCavs at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It's produced and hosted by Chris Manning and Evan Damerl.